0: Watch okay. Hello. Welcome back to We Watch Dead People. Welcome back, Will
1: and Emma. What is the song that's like, and we back, and we back, and we back, and it like fades out? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have literally about? no idea what you're talking it about. Was, there was a time when they made vines.
0: Okay. Well, we're gonna try and be snappy with this. I'm this just is,
1: telling that, you what's in my head.
0: That's great. We're this coming
1: is, off of tw- watching this twice. In one weekend. Okay,
0: let, we are, me, let, me, let, me, let me get into it's it. It's in
1: the title of the episode.
0: I know, but I was... Okay.
1: No, go ahead. No. What did you have planned? Go ahead. You're doing you're I was doing going to say welcome to this
0: special bonus episode because I wasn't going to put a number on it because... Oh, shit. Because we've already done the movie and this is just like a bonus. Oh, okay. So, welcome... Emma can't take this from me. Welcome to this bonus episode of We Watch Dead Communicated People before this- on the Midsummer Midsummer Director's Cut from Ari Aster, played for one weekend only, and we saw it
1: twice. Twice, twice. We hyped.
0: <laughs> we were very excited. It premiered in early August after much mention in interviews from Ari Aster that he had longer cuts of the movie that he had had to whittle down at the request of his production company. And while he approved of the theatrical cut and thought it was, you know, it's an approved cut of the movie, that there is a separate cut, a director's cut with 24 extra minutes that he had had an especially hard time cutting. And he felt like added uh, sort of l- more texture and context to the movie. Mm-hmm. And, so, it got a special limited release <clears throat> for this weekend. And we jumped on it. We did. Uh, like
1: a cat on spaghetti.
0: Okay, Cats sure.
1: love spaghetti.
0: Never seen a cat jump on spaghetti. Um, but, you know, because we've already covered Midsummer in one very long episode, well, you know, we won't... Was we it had, long? It was over an hour. It was the longest episode we've done, like, oh by far. Oh, my um, We won't rehash the whole plot.
1: Yeah, we'll talk specifically about the added 24 minutes.
0: Yeah. And to that end, I mean, there's only one... Scene. Sort of really... Well, I think that... It it sort of is a... uh, It would be a misdirection to say that there's only one big thing added, I guess. But, I mean, there's only one wholly new scene added into the movie. Yeah, that's what I mean. But because that scene had sort of ripple effects on either side of it um there was other stuff that had to be trimmed out yeah and several other scenes particularly early on in the movie were reduced for the theatrical cuts so some of some more dialogue is added back in yeah um and I think that the the
1: I don't think it's misleading to say that there's just one big scene added on and then everything else is there's an extension in some scenes dialogue well, which give I, more context and character development. But
0: but I do think that when people do director's cuts um like there there's an there's a outside outside well outside of a few choice examples director's cuts are usually not as enticing as they sound. They're usually like a couple minutes added in that's like basically has no bearing on the plot, and it's like, really, it, yeah,
1: I gotta say, I don't have there, anything there are, with like any there, there are, history ra- with there director's
0: are cuts. rare examples. I think like Blade Runner is yeah, probably, yeah, that's what one I was gonna say. Fa- that's
1: my only thing is that you made me watch the director's cut of Blade Runner, yeah,
0: it's probably the most famous example. But there, are, especially in our lifetimes, there are a lot of like really bad, um. It's not a fair comparison to Midsummer, but like bad teen comedies, and they'd be like, the unrated extended cut. Check it out. Oh, and, and it would, Sex Drive. And it would, well, Sex Drive made fun of that.
1: That was hilarious. Because
0: Sex Drive just had like boobies everywhere, well, and they scenes just where had cgi
1: porn stars walking across. Like, naked ladies clearly just walking across a green screen that they then superimposed into well, the movie. And the,
0: the the director's cut of that opens with the directors being like, these are shameless money grabs, so we're just going to do it, and we're just going to have big honking titties walk across the screen. They were making well, fun ladies. Of, they walking were making
1: across the screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I but, forgive you. But the point is, is that director's cuts historically are not... All that they're cracked up to be. The midsummer's the midsummer director's cut actually has a tangible difference on how you watch the movie.
1: What we're trying to say is we love you, Ari.
0: We do indeed, and I think that both cuts of the movie are very good. The theatrical cut is paced better. It's the
1: one you show your parents.
0: I think that they're both gonna not be palatable for most parents, but. <laughs> um, but it the,
1: clips along. It has a nice. Pace. There are some kind of holes that I don't know if I saw before, but I see now that I've seen things a little more fleshed out, but there's good rhythm.
0: Well, I think the theatrical cut is more ambiguous, and that has positives and negatives. And the director's cut, I actually think, did a good job at not wiping away the ambiguity, but it does remove a little bit of it, Mm -hmm. um, particularly as it pertains to Connie, who sort of mysteriously dies um, in the theatrical cut, and that's explained a little more clearly in this version. Um, and it also make This version makes it clearer that Christian, Danny's boyfriend, is a huge asshole. I mean... I, I mean,
1: not that we didn't think he wasn't a huge well, asshole but before. But in, in,
0: in the theatrical cut, he's like... He's definitely... That was our he's di- a, well, he's a bad boyfriend. Yeah. But he... I wouldn't say that on the whole he's like just an unrepentant asshole not but, that
1: i love disagreeing with you but i thought our conclusion last time or at least my conclusion the first time seeing it the theatrical cut was that he seemed just like a bad boyfriend in a bad spot up until his whole thesis idea and then it was like oh he's very willing to be a cheap lazy asshole
0: yeah I, but i mean and
1: thus is a full well-rounded asshole well, not half but, an but, asshole but, not a quarter
0: but but as a you big would, one but but his thing with the thesis... Well, you're right, it proves that he was able to be an asshole. I mean, the thesis isn't his relationship with Danny. And and you could basically... You could see that he's not a good dude. But that he's not, like... I, he just really turns on the gaslighting you, in the director's cut.
1: He turns on the gaslighting, but then I also think a big difference is ha- his choice to sleep with Maya seems like more of a choice in the director's cut.
0: Yeah. and Where I mean, the, the, at well,
1: the end of the theatrical cut, it's like, he's clearly very drugged, he's clearly very used... I don't know.
0: Well, I think that the direct. So this sort of plays into the ambiguity element I was talking about. I think the theatrical cut makes it not as clear... How much he's aware of what's going on with Maya and what he's being primed to do with Maya—they sort of leave that a little more open-ended. Plus the drugging—it's sort of you could read that as the 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 Horgas are you know sort of manipulating him. Um, and they to, still are. To well, some well, extent, but that's but... that was what I was gonna say. I mean, in this cut, they still definitely are. And whenever he, um, whenever he. Uh, has to, well, doesn't have to, whenever he goes to sleep with Maya, I mean, the dude can barely walk. I mean, which they did not include in the theatrical cut. He's barely conscious. So in that regard, the Horgas seem even more sinister. On the other hand, leading up to that scene, there is more exposition that allows the viewer to understand that Christian knows it aware. knows it's wrong but he knows what is trying to be done with him and Maya he hears that she's 16 years old that I she know can,
1: was that in the theatrical version uh, if it
0: was I didn't notice I, it. well
1: that's the thing I was gonna ask you because you've seen it four times I've only <laughs> seen it three times More I was normal. like did I, j-? I know I was like did I just miss it
0: I if if it was in the theatrical cut I don't know how I missed it but I definitely caught it both times in the director's cut. yes
1: it was made very clear that she's A child.
0: Yeah. And he has several conversations with her, or has at least one conversation. Through her,
1: she doesn't speak English very well.
0: Yeah. And then, um, it sort of is laid out more clearly for him by Siv, Siv, however, uh, the older woman. The high priestess. Yeah. What is, what they want him to do, which is to mate with Maya.
1: Not match with her. Yeah. Just mate.
0: Mate. And, um when he's given that like trippy tea that ends up fucking him up you know he's told it's going to break down your defenses and make him more vulnerable to the influence and he keeps looking at Maya and it's like he knows what they're getting at and then right before he takes it he gives her one last really hard look and then then drowns it and holds his head he knows what he's doing is wrong but he still goes through with it and so it definitely the movie makes it a lot more clear that the Horgas are sinister, and they are bad, but also Christian is a bad man who was willing to basically cheat on Danny for what is proposed to him as a learning experience for his thesis. And also on top of that, I mean, he's just a huge asshole to Danny. He, there's so
1: much gaslighting. He,
0: he, in one of the opening scenes where she finds out about the trip to Sweden, there's an added dialogue about how, oh, you ruined the surprise. I was going to invite you. And um, there's an... A, there's an added ceremony, which we can get into in a second, and there's a fight afterwards, which I think is probably the most critical of the scenes that was cut, and he basically says that he feels indebted to her, that like every gesture she makes for him, he thinks is loaded, and that he would have to repay it. And, he uses- and she's
1: doing it on purpose. She yeah. knows that she's, like, creating this debt within mm-hmm. him that he's going to have to pay back that he doesn't know how to pay back. But I think where it really sows the seeds is in the beginning after the, the Swedish fight um, where he knows it's not on his side. She's made incredibly valid points about, like, just wanting to know and how it feels unfair to her. Mm-hmm. And... He doesn't know what to say. It's clear he doesn't have any excuse or defense. So he's just like, Well, I guess I'm going to go then because she's terrified of being alone. And then the argument completely flips. And then she's like, No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Please don't mm-hmm. leave. Please don't. You the know, whatever. The, and he's move, just. This
0: movie injects a lot more. The director's cut adds a lot more of her having to say sorry for things she doesn't have to be sorry about. Doesn't have to be sorry That's for. And really that to he watch.
1: is very aware. He's incredibly manipulative. Not that he wasn't before, but it's like tenfold i was like "Ugh, this yeah. is so icky
0: yeah i i i yeah. yeah yeah it's it's just gross
1: but you see it even more in the added scene
0: yeah there's so there's a a new ceremony which takes place at night which i you know i think after the auto stupa ad, whatever what the, a, the ritual ad, cliff suicide scene
1: which is a real thing which is why i'm trying to pronounce it right yeah, but i just can't yeah.
0: but it's sort of it's a scene at night, so I can kind of see why they cut it because it's sort of dig. It, it, it's one of the only extended scenes in the movie outside of the prologue that is at night and it sort of cuts that like hypnotic light spell that the movie's got going on. Yeah. But it does lean into the idea that Pele establishes early on that it's all like theater and that they're essentially doing it for. Uh, they the they're doing these performances for the outsiders basically um
1: because this one it's a very obvious it's a play there are two narrators basically talking about how we've sacrificed like our best tree they go and throw this tree into the water and like some jewels and whatever and then someone who's across the river very obviously plays this horn and the other narrator comes in and is like i think i hear this rumbling i think the mother the goddess whatever wants more and everybody's like we didn't hear a rumbling and he's like oh maybe it is my stomach and they're all like ha, 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 but we don't want to offend the mother so what should we do what else do we have to sacrifice and this little boy comes up and is like you can throw me in the river <laughs> and they're like oh he's brave like,
0: bro like, it's not scary to go home or so you know it's something like yeah that. and he's wearing this weird sort of like sack Tree, He's dressed like a
1: tree, like tree, the embellished yeah. tree that they throw in the river. Yeah,
0: which is important because later, when you see Connie, in the theatrical cut, she's just sort of wet, and it looks, you know, you could sort of ascertain that she's been drowned, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. In this cut, it makes it clear that she sort of has replaced that boy as the sacrifice. But at any rate, so they go to sw- they they pick him up, they shackle him, and they put a big stone on his stomach, and they start pretending to swing him out into the river, and Danny interjects and says no stop and then everyone else in the the horgas all yell stop right and like please he's he's already shown his bravery yeah and like, so then and christian christian's it. just smiling yeah through the whole thing because he's a, a, an insanely stupid person yeah, I don't um know. but danny is horrified having seen that and the cliff suicide and so she storms off and that leads into the fight with christian where um you know, she says she's gonna leave. He says he's gonna stay, because this is his thesis, and he, da- you know.
1: And she lays out some very valid points where she was like, you know, the whole. I don't know how you think this is a good thing. They are doing pagan rituals. The whole point of this is that no one else will ever see this. Yeah. And he's like, well, maybe they just want to show us. And she's like, you're. Your opportunistic anthropology students Is what she said Like why would they show you And he's like maybe they want it documented It's like are you yeah, so fucking th- serious it's interesting. She's making very good points About their situation as a whole And then it very much zeros in on their relationship
0: Yeah it's interesting how aware She turns out to be of Their sinister Intentions for them It goes beyond that they're just Doing weird scary shit It's what they have in store For them that she keys into there which is interesting Um, it's also this cut um, does flesh out more of the the, um, to the anthropology thing more of the thesis disagreement between Josh and Christian which makes again Christian look like even more of an asshole but also drives home to the viewer how bad all of these supposed anthropology students are at their academia they're all terrible (laughs) What they're doing. And, um, you know, I don't fully know what Ari Aster was trying to say there. Um, I know.
1: What did he say in his interview when someone was like, why anthropology? I'm trying to remember what he said.
0: Well, he says something to the effect of that they're bad anthropology students. But I think the question was more about it was asking Ari to contextualize it in the in the canon of anthropology horror movies like cannibal holocaust and stuff Mm -hmm. um and i think he just i I would have to go back and watch it again i don't think he gives a real
1: yeah i don't think there's anything super concrete Um,
0: but you know he did say in that i remember him saying that you know he was trying to think of something that was you know a, a sort of dramatic device that was existential existentially pointless, and what could be more pointless than a fight over a graduate thesis, which I thought was kind of amusing. Yeah. And, and this cut does restore a joke about J-Store, which you know, both of the times we saw the director's cut, I'm pretty sure I was the only person who laughed at it, which makes me feel like a loser, but... I, I laughed. Thought, I thought, oh, you I did? Ch- okay.
1: I chuckled next to you. It nothing can quite...
0: It got me. I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: and nothing can quite compare to when something gets you,
0: but... I but... <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I will also say, and this is sort of unrelated to the director's cut and more just to the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Having seen it four times, it is interesting <laughs> to see how different audiences react to the movie. Because I think the expectation, based on the trailers and what you know about the movie going in for most people, is that it's like a capital S serious like horror movie. But in reality, it's more like a black comedy about a breakup smuggled inside of a folklore movie and so there are a lot of scenes in the movie that are really funny and invite laughter
1: and some audiences are very unwilling yeah the first I, time we saw the director's cut we saw it in um a theater that was decently full but we had basically a whole row of us and friends and, and we had
0: all seen it before.
1: And we had all seen it before, and there was way more laughter to be had.
0: Yeah. But I also think that some of the people in that theater um, wanted to take it more seriously. Which, you know, I'm not here to say that you need to view a movie one way or another. But, like, I think that some scenes in the movie... Like, like the scene at the ritual suicide when they come and hit the dude with the mallet... The first time it's like, oh, that's gross. By swing number three, it's like being played for comical effect. And the mallet itself is like an Acme Looney Tunes mallet. It's funny. And it's, I think, purposefully ridiculous. It's
1: funny. And people don't want to laugh at it. Yeah,
0: I, the pe- people basically want to laugh at Will Poulter's explicit comic Vaping, comic which comic he relief. did
1: way more in this, in yeah, the they, director's they had cut. They had a lot
0: of scenes of him vaping. Um, and they also, every audience laughs, albeit uncomfortably, at the sex scene once once the singing starts. Yes. Uh, so those are the scenes without fail. But there are scenes littered throughout the movie that are, I mean, just ripe with black comedy, like pitch black. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, so I, I think the second showing that I went to... Of the theatrical cut.
1: Which I did not go to. Yeah. I've only seen the theatrical cut one Once. time. I had to work.
0: But that uh, that second time, everyone was getting good chuckles out of basically all the same stuff that I, I I found funny, which was, you know, confirmed to me that I wasn't at least an insane person. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I was just in a theater with other insane people. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interest. it's like a Rorschach test. You can sort of... I think there's a lot of different ways for people to watch this movie and what to get out of it. and I, I, I don't know which one I'd recommend people start with. I'd probably guess I would say the theatrical cut.
1: I would definitely say the theatrical cut. And then cut. you can,
0: if you like and it, and you that, want, yeah. if you are jonesing for a three-hour-long version of that, then you can then watch the, the director's, director's cut. cut. However, you know they haven't explicitly stated any plans to release well, the director's cut at home, so I hope that they do that. Yeah, I hope so too. I would like to buy a set where both of them are like in the same yeah, same case or whatever. But all in all, you know, I was really happy to see this movie in theaters so many times. I think it was really a, an experience that even though I'll enjoy watching it at home at some point, the final 10 minutes alone are worth however much money you pay to see it on the big screen. I've seen it 4 times <laughs> as I've said, and I still get this like weird goosebump rush. Um, during the final fire scene. Same. There's like this one shot in particular where after Ulf has started screaming and everyone outside is convulsing, they sort of cut to a shot facing the temple and the camera's backing up and there's this one woman who is just like screaming in what looks like pure, insane euphoria. And it's at that point that I just feel it like shoot through my body. I'm like this and the music is like... crescendo i mean it's just amazing it's it's like almost flawless filmmaking it's so good um so if you didn't get a chance to see it in theaters you know shame on you yeah that's a big disappointment what are you doing we didn't teach you well but that's fine hopefully you get to see it at some point because i think it is worth a watch for those who uh for those who are fans of the the theatrical cut so yeah 10 out of 10. Would recommend.
1: Would recommend. Just a teeny little bonus episode, he said. Just yeah. a teeny little bonus. Oh, no, well, it's only. You know. Yeah, it's not
0: very long. It's all right. So, Well, thank you for listening. We're going to keep trying to churn stuff out, so uh, catch ourselves back up. But uh, So thanks this for being... This has ben.
1: been season two, episode one and a half. Remember when they did that with Lion King?
0: Yeah, Lion dig King one and a half. Dig a tunnel,
1: dig, dig a tunnel. I like that one. Is it Disney going to come after It had me? a
0: Lion King uh, themed Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game on the on the extras and i like playing it yeah i never beat it though should go back and try it what anyways thanks for listening we watch dead people we'll be back again with another episode hopefully sooner than you would expect so okay goodbye everybody